0: Hi, I'm Bridget Wood, and you're listening to me, So Scoop. Well, I had planned to do this podcast two weekends ago, but then my family were visiting Tokyo, so that was definitely a no-go. And then I postponed it to last weekend, but I went away camping for the weekend. And next weekend, I'm probably going to go climb Mount Fuji, so that's out of the question. So I guess it's now or never to make this podcast. So in a recap, I guess, of the very busy weeks that were... Two weeks ago, my whole family arrived in Tokyo for a mini-break. Now with my parents staying elsewhere, all four children were staying with me and the limits of my poor little 20 square meter apartment were severely tested. Luckily for my room, and my neighbours for that matter, very little time was actually spent in the room as there is a lot to see in the five days that they were visiting. Apart from the usual must-see sites, I actually visited a few places for the first time, clearly I'm such a great Tokyo local. Places that I had been saving up, I guess, until the masses arrived. First, up, we went to Tsukiji markets, Tokyo's famed seafood markets down on Tokyo Bay. Now, there are two ways to do Tsukiji. Be one of the 50 people allowed in each day for the tuna auction at 5.30am. Now, we are talking about these giant tunas that resemble some kind of underwater monster that the restaurants of Tokyo battle over each day. Now, this option requires extreme dedication as you need to be there at at least 3 a.m. to guarantee to be one of the 50 spots. By all reports, most of the 50 people seem to be foreigners, still drunk, who have pulled an all-night bender in order to stay up for the auction. Now, the second option is a little more friendly. At 10 a.m., when most of the dealing has been done for the morning, the tourists are allowed in, and it's amazing. Every type of seafood you could imagine, and then thousands more that you couldn't even dream up are on display, dead or alive. The amazing thing is though, the seafood is so fresh that the fishy smell is practically non-existent. Now, this market has become such a hit with the tourists that they are actually moving locations to a new one, upgraded, state-of-the-art warehouse that is probably going to be slightly more tourist-friendly. At the moment, you take your life into your own hands, trying to get through the trucks, vendors and men careening through the aisles on these three-legged trucks. And if you do manage to keep all your limbs intact while you're there, it's in fact a really cool thing to experience. Another first for me though, while my family was here, in the sightseeing stakes of Tokyo, was the Imperial Palace Gardens. Now, this is a little embarrassing to admit, as I literally work directly opposite the entrance and are there every single day, but have so far never taken the plunge actually in through the gates, and I was presently surprised. It was everything a Japanese garden should be, with bridges and waterfalls, rice paddies, koi ponds, flowers, and the perfectly manicured gardens. But even better thing to discover there was the huge spaces of open grass. And this is the very first part of open grassland I have seen in all of Tokyo. It's akin to that of Central Park. And it is so nice to know that there is some greenery and some nature and some peace and quiet in this concrete jungle. So with that fun weekend over, my family left back for Brisbane and the next weekend turned to my first Japanese camping adventure. A group of friends and I were pumped. We had a tent, sleeping bag, foods, s'mores goodies, we were ready to go. Until we woke up on Saturday morning and there was no sun. And as we drove further and further from Tokyo and closer to the Izu Peninsula, our destination for the weekend, it got heavier and heavier. And by the time we reached the campground, it was positively torrential. It was great camping weather. Thankfully, however, the campground had small cabins, which we took up in a heartbeat. And so the afternoon was filled with eating and lazy afternoons and the on-site onsen. Now, this onsen was great. It was beautiful. Looked really authentic. Looked out over the creek. Rain on the roof. Gorgeous. But it just happened to be the hottest onsen I have ever been in in my life, leaving us looking like cooked tomatoes. Many of the tiny crabs that scuttled around the campsite ended up boiled in the Onsen's waters. Apart from that, though, it was lovely. Thankfully, though, for my poor roasted skin, the next day was sunny, so we were out and about. The famous seven waterfalls are right by our campsite, so we took the hike along the waterfalls, which was even more impressive than usual thanks to the day before's torrential rains. And then to the beach. Now, the beaches just don't quite compare to Australia, but they're not bad. You can't help being in a beach mood either when the Japanese are so enthusiastic. There's umbrellas, sandcastle making equipment, blow-up toys, surfboards, the whole shebang. As for this weekend, I am being quite adventurous and have plans to climb Mount Fuji. Basically, we're going to arrive at Mount Fuji late on Saturday afternoon, climb all through the night to see the sunrise from the top at about 4.30am. It could be a long night, especially since I did not bring anything to Tokyo that is even remotely necessary for this trip. You need hiking boots, thermal pants and a thermal jacket. It is still icy up on top, even in the middle of summer. Waterproof gloves, beanie, waterproof backpack, of which I have none. So here's hoping for an equipment hire place. I'll keep you updated on it. And for now, though, I'm Bridget and thanks for listening to Miso Scoop.